<laughs> All right, here we go. Okay. <laughs> All right, everyone. Welcome to season three, episode f- season three. <laughs> oh, Jesus! I'm getting really. I'm getting really optimistic. Season three. season three. We got picked up for a third season. It was unbelievable. <laughs> okay, let's try that again. everyone and welcome to season one episode four of angel talk reflections of an ambitious angel mom my name is philip kerrigan i am the executive director of raise for rowan we are the organization that assists families suffering from the tragic loss of a child with funeral cost assistance and emotional support i am joined by the ambitious angel mom herself why don't you go and introduce yourself Hello, everybody. I'm Bryn Johnson, co-founder of Race for Rowan, and it's always an honor to be here with Philip Kerrigan, and we're excited to talk to you today. That's right, and we're going to talk about a uh, a little bit of a strange subject. First of all, we want to thank uh, Pastor Jim Ford from New Day Christian Center right here in Tenino for coming on the podcast last week and talking about grief and faith, um, certainly how his story kind of commingled with Bryn. It was really inspirational stuff. I invite those who haven't had a chance to listen to it to go back and listen to episode three. Today we're talking about something that's a little bit, um, it sounds like a little bit strange, because what we're asking you to do is say no from time to time. And that's what the title of today's podcast is, It's Okay to Say No. Now, we're not giving you a license to go be rude to your family and friends. That's not what we're trying to do here. What we are trying to uh, kind of talk about and what we're going to dive into a little bit with Bryn is how at the beginning, there's so much being thrown at you and you are also going through a ton of emotions yourself that it is okay for you from time to time to want to be alone in your grief or want to, you know, sort of have folks take a step back for a second. And I want to throw in a caveat, and I think, Bryn, you kind of agree. Um, What we're going to talk about today, it can be a little bit difficult because you're talking about uh, family relationships, you're talking about friendships. We are not trying to have, and we're not trying to disparage anybody who genuinely wants to try and help you during your time of need. That's not what we're attempting to do at all. What we're trying to do is give you the opportunity and give you some tips on how you can maybe allow folk, give folks a little bit of an arm's length so that you can take a breath and kind of process things yourself. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So uh, we're just going to dive right into it by asking uh, asking a couple questions of your brain, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Let's jump on in. All right. So can you really, for if the biggest thing is, it seems like to me, correct me if I'm wrong, it's those first couple, it's those first couple of three months where um, you have people surrounding you, people trying to help, people coming to you at all times, right? Is that is that kind of how you experienced it? Yeah, for me personally, it is how I did experience it. And I do know that that can be not the case for everybody. Um, I was fortunate to have a huge support system and lots of help. Um, and that was my personal circumstance. But I I have found from working with Race for Rowan that not a lot of families have that as well. So I think it can be bittersweet. You know, you want definitely a huge support system, as many people surrounding you to help you through your hardest times. But I think the message that we're going to discuss today is really um, not feeling obligated to do things that maybe you're not up for. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
it, it's hard because you don't want to ever hurt anybody's feelings. At least that's how right. I felt. I'm like, right. I, you know, you don't want to um, ever sound ungrateful for the help that you're getting or come across rude or or anything like that. So I do think it's a fine line between that inner battle of, well, well, do I do it even though I'm not feeling like going to this function or right, doing this right. or doing that or having company, um, you know, and so I'd like to share some kind of tips and stuff on that yeah. throughout the podcast yeah. today on how to avoid that. Sounds good. So can you talk about those first couple months specifically after the accident, where your head was at, where your heart was at, and sort of how difficult it was for you to maybe even interact with folks just generally, but then even more simply, what type of help to ask for? Can you talk about those first couple months? Yeah. Um, I think I've shared this in uh, some past podcasts as well, but you know, in the beginning, I think you're in such a fog. Um, I, I really couldn't think clearly to even probably compute what I was thinking, like an actual sentence that made sense. Um, so I don't think it was easy to even express what my needs were because I don't really feel like I knew what I needed. I just knew my Mm -hmm. heart was broken. You're literally just like crushed into a million pieces and you just feel like there's probably never going to be a way to put those pieces back together. Um, and you're vulnerable and you feel weak and you're hurting. And, um, I, I don't think you really know what you need at that time. I do know that, uh, everybody grieves differently. So watching the differences between my husband and myself, Mm -hmm. I know that he seemed to really do better when he was surrounded by lots of people. Maybe that's because he was like pushing those feelings aside, not having to deal with them. Um, I liked to kind of have my solitude a little bit more and just cry it out. And I think it's, I still get embarrassed to cry in front of people. So I, you know, I think it's, you know, when you can't really hold your emotions in or hold it together, which I'm not saying is the healthy way, but for me in the beginning, I was such an emotional mess all the time of the highs and lows. You know, I really would try to seclude myself a little bit and just be able to cry it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And how hard was it for you to, can you give me some examples of, um, first of all, can you give me some examples of when you first started out, the type of requests that today you wish that you kind of would have said no to? Uh, yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, I, think, I mean, you can speak in generalities too. Yeah. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. No, no, I'm, yes, exactly. But I think before my daughter passed away, I was a busybody and I would attend all the functions, whether it be work functions, whether it be community functions, you know, stuff for my kids. And, you know, I was the person that was always jumping in to help, you know, right with pretty much anything and everything that came along my way. And um, I think when your life changes and then you lose a child, the old you still is like, oh, yeah, of course I'll sign up for this. And of course I'll attend that function. Yeah. And, but the reality of it when it hits is like, oh, my gosh, why did I sign up for that? You know, and it <laughs> yeah. may not even be anybody else putting that pressure on you or me to do those things. But it's just, I guess, the habit of saying yes to everything. And then 
being overwhelmed by it. Right. Like I can't handle it anymore. So um, over the years, it's gotten a little easier to say no because I have made the mistake of overloading my plate numerous times where I kick myself after I sign up or commit to do something for somebody else or an organization and then you're not giving it your best anyway. So what's the point? You should have just yeah. saved that energy to recover and stay home than, you know, attend this function or yeah. sign up to do something that you're not going to be wholeheartedly able to do. How hard was it for you to say no uh, at first when you finally started to realize this stuff uh, is going to just basically drain what little bandwidth I have right now that I can dedicate to others? How hard was it to, for you to finally get to a place where you could say no? Well, I, it is really hard. Um, you know, like I have kept expressing, I think you just worry about hurting somebody's feelings um, and you don't want to let anybody down or disappoint them or come across as rude. So, you know, we all want to be liked and we all want to be um, able to help other people as well. But I think over the years of just my own personal burnout and um, stress and depression of like mentally being drained after I put too much on my plate, I've learned that I I have to say no. And then I think over time, the more I started saying no to certain things or just not signing myself up for stuff as much, um, I realized that like my mental state was better because I wasn't so drained and depleted. Because um, I've, I, for me, I found like the more social interactions that I've had after sissy passed away and you're consumed so much in your grief, I think it's already so taxing to just be grieving by itself. Then you're adding on like, oh, well, you have to, you know, keep all your emotions intact while you're at this, you know, function for the whole evening. And it, it can mentally just wear you down. And then that leads to like a depression for a week or two after. Wow. I mean, it can. Yeah. So I kind of shut down. It seems like after I've put too much on my plate. Yeah. So I've just learned that it's okay to say no and realizing that more people are more understandable than what I would anticipate them to be. Right, right. Which has been very much a relief, you know. Yeah, yeah. So then you get into, you decide you're going to go in the exact opposite direction and you create a nonprofit which requires 24 hours of your attention. <laughs> yes, <laughs> with lots of help though. Yeah. Thankfully, yeah. lots of help. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are some of the things that you were happy that you ended up saying no to? Well, this one was easy for me to actually um, think of. Mm -hmm. It was her major milestones. Of oh. her, yeah, of her birthday and then obviously the anniversary of her passing. Um, those two dates are obviously very emotional days. And um, I try to not commit myself really to anything or have too high of expectations for myself on those days because I like to just really – honor her life and reflect on her. And um, I've been really grateful I've done that because some, you know, some days you don't expect how hard they're really going to hit you. So I've just been happy that I haven't ever pushed myself to, you know, things arise where, you know, actually that was Philip's first day on the it job was. here. It was my first official day <laughs> uh, in the office. Yeah. Philip's first day with us was actually uh, Rowan's passing date. And, you know, it's a very important day that I should have been here in the office with him and greeting him and training with him and being with him on his first day. And it was it was a really hard decision for me to say, you know, like, I just 
I hope he understands, but I can't really commit myself to anything on that day because I emotionally know myself. And, you know, sometimes I just want to literally sit at home and cry all day. And, yeah, yeah. and Philip was so great. He, he understood <laughs> completely. But yeah. um, it's things like that, you know, important things that might come up within your work or or whatever it may be. But I've always um, said no on those two days every year. And I've always been thankful that I did because it allows me those two days a year where like I'm purely Rowan's where I am just um, thinking of her. I am grieving. I am still finding moments of joy and honoring her life any way that I can. Um, I try to do something special for her um, and sometimes special for myself. And um, I usually include my other children as well. And, and my husband, obviously when he gets home from work for the day, but yeah, I've just always kept those two days to, strictly be about yeah, Rowan. Yeah. And it's been so nice that I've been able to do that and stick yeah. to it. And I plan to always do that. So I think those, that was actually a really good example uh, of like how saying no, people will understand because yeah. that day I remember very specifically, I got warned uh, about four or five days ahead of time, Bryn's not going to be in the office. And I got warned by multiple people yeah. who almost viewed themselves as sort of the guardians of, of like, of like your well being. So they were hey, like, well, it. Hey, Bryn's not going to be there. Just to let you know, it's the day that, that, uh, of Rowan's passing. So, you know, she's, she won't be in the office. And then those same people took it upon themselves to then check in that day to make sure so that great. I was there and all that sort of different yeah. stuff. So, so I think the initial fear of of saying no because people aren't going to like you or people are going to or people are going to sour off that. I think that um, don't be afraid of it because people did understand around you, especially. And yeah. at the end of the day, they felt like they were sort of the defender of like your time. It was really amazing. I felt so lucky to have that at that time. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. That was pretty cool. It was it was weird. Like yeah. I walk in the office. First and, day and I'm not even here for you. I know, I know. That's funny. <laughs> but hey, I came in on a Tuesday yeah. and it was great. You were right there. You were right there. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to do uh, one of our patented, not actually patented, but uh, just, you know, a regular old segment, <laughs> the sissy sign segment. Um, we actually did this in episode one. And then we followed up with a couple of quotes. And so we're going to do the Sissy Sign segment again. This is where Bryn kind of shares a moment uh, within her week or or the last couple of weeks that kind of brought to life uh, Rowan and kind of had Rowan communicate with her through a various uh, varying different signs. So what is this week's Sissy Sign, Bryn? Well, Philip, this is actually a long time ago Sissy Sign, but I want to share because it's a really special one to me. So my family, after Rowan passed away, it, it it had been a few months, but I decided we wanted to take our oldest son, Wyatt, because he obviously had been through a lot as well, losing his sister, and um, he was in the vehicle when his sister was hit as well. So he mm-hmm. had obviously quite a traumatic life experience himself, but we kind of just needed a reboot. So I booked myself, my husband, and my son, a trip to Alani, the Disney resort in Hawaii. Oh, wow. And it, it's amazing, by the way, if anybody wants to do a Disney family trip, oh my gosh, Hawaii, Alani, where it's at. Awesome. Good to know. Um, And from the time we got boarding the plane, I could already feel Rowan's presence. Huh. 
Um, they obviously, they saw Wyatt right away and they asked him to come back in the cockpit and take pictures with the pilot. Oh, that's yeah. cool. So that was our first special, you know, kickoff of the trip. He got pictures with the pilot and sat in the, um, you know, seat to fly the plane. Awesome. And we uh, ended up. It was a full plane, but for some odd reason, we ended up with an empty seat right next to me. Oh, wow. Um, and I, the whole time, just felt in my heart like, well, Rowan's sitting with me right here because, like, there's we're on a full plane here, and I just have this open seat sitting right next to me, which was perfect yeah. because Wyatt, my son, could lay down, and we had extra room. Um, so that was, like, the second thing. Like, everything was going seamless and perfect, and... Um, when we got to Alani, you know, they check you in and they give you the um, traditional lays and yeah, they yeah. walk you to your um, room. They're very accommodating there and pretty sure they handed us a cocktail. It was just magic. And we get to our room and it's 1111, which is my angel number for Sissy. Oh, wow. Um, for some reason after she passed, I've, I've, and I've heard this from other people too, but seems like I look at the clock a lot and I either see 1111 or 111 and our hotel room was 1111. Oh my gosh. And, um, you know, I got the goosebumps and I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. sissy picked our room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it was yeah, just like yeah. everything. I just felt like Rowan was with us that, that whole day. Um, and then that night, you know, it's, you're still emotional, even though you're like on this beautiful journey and you're going to Hawaii, yeah, um, it's still emotional because I'm missing a child. Right. Um, and we had had a nice day. Like we played outside in the pool in the water park area all day. But um, when I went to bed, I was just really thinking about Rowan and pretty emotional, you know, and just obviously not trying to show that too much to my son. But, sure. But just really in my head talking to Rowan to like, just please give me another sign just so I really know you're here. And um, that night I had like a super vivid dream of her and she was with us and um, like it was such a vivid dream that I remember waking up in the morning and I I was like, I have to write this dream down. Oh, wow. So I have it wrote, wrote down somewhere on some scratch paper that I'd found in the hotel room yeah. and I um, still have it somewhere in my house. I will have to search for wow. it, but wow. it had my dream in detail of what she looked like. And I just basically knew she was telling me like, I'm with you, mom. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and our trip was perfect. That's the awesome. whole trip was literally flawless. Perfect. And I just felt like she was literally accommodating us that so the cool. whole way. That's so, so cool. That's a, like a lot of sissy signs. Yeah. And one, yeah. yeah that's like one, one trip sign. filled with yeah. sissy signs. It was a week, week's worth of sissy signs. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Getting back to some of the questions, for this is a question we're going to have this from time to time on the podcast. We're actually going to dedicate an entire podcast to it because I think that we've had a lot of folks interested in this particular uh, question, and there are also folks who have not lost a child but know somebody who has, and they actually want to know how to talk to, to folks who have. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of more of uh, some advice from Bryn to somebody who hasn't lost a child who is interacting. What would you say to those people about some of the things to avoid? Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because I've actually gotten asked this so many times. Um, people will reach out to me, you know, through social media and stuff and ask like, hey, I have, I've had a friend or a family member that have lost a child. Like, what do I say or what do I not say or what do I do? So I think this is a pretty common question. Um, I can tell you things not to say. <laughs> I think that's good. Um, let's do, let's start there. Yeah, I, I personally 
in the especially the first like year, I really, really dreaded the question of just how are you? How are you doing? I mean, how harmless is that? It's so harmless, but I want you to know in the very, like, especially beginning phases of going through grief, that person is probably rolling their eyes behind their, you know, behind your back. When you get, when you get asked that question, it's almost like, well, how do you think I'm doing? Right. I mean, even though it's so harmless, I just am going to be real with you. It's kind of like, well, I'm dying inside. I'm just going through the motions. Yeah. So I don't want to tell you about how much it hurts inside. So I'll just lie and say, I'm doing fine. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just going to tell you that was a trigger for me. So I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not able to speak for everybody, but I do know that it's like, you probably can guess how they're doing. So I just don't, just don't don't ask the question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other one that has happened to me personally, and I know it's happened to quite a few other friends that I have that have lost children. Um, when, when you get comparing like the loss of your dog to our child Mm. or the loss of a grandparent Mm. it really really hurts okay so i know that it's just out of like purely not knowing right um trying to connect we're trying to connect and it's harmless and i'm friends with those people still that have you know maybe said those things to me along my journey but i just want you to know that like to us, like there is no comparison yeah. of like the yeah. loss of our child to your dog or the loss of our <laughs> yeah, child to yeah. your grandpa or your yeah. grandma. So I know you may be doing it out of the best intentions to try to connect. Right. But it's actually hurtful. Don't do it. Yeah. It, it's hurtful. Okay. Um. So I've kind of accepted that it's just out of not knowing and a little yeah. bit of ignorance yeah. on that part, but it it's hurtful. So don't ever do it. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> good plan. Good plan. Um, and the other one that really, really sucks to get asked is, well, how did she die? How did your child die? Oh, wow. Yeah. I get asked that more than you would think. Um, pretty much any time I go, this is why the other reason, like going to public functions, especially those first few years before like people actually know your situation, you know, you can go anywhere, the grocery store for Pete's sakes and people will compliment like a tattoo I have for Rowan and they're like, what's your tattoo mean? And then you're like, oh my gosh, I have to give you the whole story now. Well, I lost my daughter. So it's a tattoo for her. So I think, you know, it just, when it becomes your life, it can happen every day of like, oh, well it just comes up. Like how many kids do you have? Well, I have three. Oh, how old are they? Um, well, one is eight. (laughs) Right, right. One would be six and one is four. Oh, well, one would be six. Yes. Uh, my middle child's in heaven. You know, she passed away at seven months or 17 months. And then, so what it, I'm trying to express is it comes thing, up. Yeah. yeah. Like every day in your routine and it's, it's uncomfortable, but I've gotten to a place where I know what my responses will usually be. So I try to prepare like my angel moms and dads, like kind of make a script for yourself. Cause you know, these questions will come up, but people will ask like, well, how'd your daughter die? And, um, I typically, my, my go-to is I just usually say, you know, I really don't want to talk about it, but she passed in a tragic accident. Like I'll keep it short. Um, or sometimes people are honestly shocked and they don't want to talk about it. Um, cause I think it takes both me and the other person off guard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So, but yeah, just a note to other people. Probably just don't ask. Don't ask deep questions. Yeah. Like, don't ask about the circumstances. Unless, like, unless, like, 
that person is somebody that comes to you and wants to talk, you know? Um, I know I've really appreciated like having my close, close family and friends, like when I do need to talk or like do have a moment where I'm like remembering Rowan or I need to talk about something. It's been really great that I have my, my little close knit group that I feel comfortable talking to. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also appreciate that they don't ask me a bunch of questions. Right. Right. So I think be there, be that listening ear for, um, you know, your friend or your loved one that may have lost a child and, you know, always let them know that, like, I'm here to listen. I may not be able to understand what you're going through, but I will always be here to listen if you need to talk to me. Yeah. That goes a long way. Got it. Yeah. One thing my sister-in-law said, um, that I haven't forgotten five years later was, um, basically that she was holding my hand and we were just crying together. And she said, you know, I have no idea what you're going through. Um, but I want you to know I'll be here now. I'll be here next week and I'll be here forever. So if you need to talk even 10 years from now, I will be here and I will be here to hold your hand. And that's always stuck with me because, you know, we don't talk about it all the time, but I do know that like at the end of the day, she's somebody I can call and be like, okay, I need to talk. <laughs> yeah, And yeah. I think it's important to hear that because as an angel mom, you don't want to burden people with what you're really feeling because it hurts so bad. You don't want to bring those people down. Um, but having somebody tell me like, it's okay, you can talk to me about anything, the good, the bad, don't, don't care, I'll listen. That means a lot. Mm. Mm. kudos that was good job by your sister-in-law i know yeah really well done it's it stuck with me five years later yeah and that's that's actually I'm, that's really good because i think that there are a lot of people who um stumble into the wrong words yeah. like they're trying to be supportive they're trying to help they're 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 you know they don't know whether they should make the move of totally engaging in the conversation or being the distractor so that you don't have to think about it mm -hmm. or saying and then they sometimes default to well i'm not going to do anything right so i'm not going to say anything yeah um Actually, let me ask you a question before we move on to the next one with regards to that. If folks feel uncomfortable to the point where they aren't going to be able to say anything, uh, would you recommend that over uh, over attempting to engage and, and try to do something weird and perfunctory? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I can say I've had, had it uh, both ways yeah. where it's either silent or it's weird in some other way. Did you take the silence as like, well, what the hell's with that guy? How come they won't talk to me? No, actually, I preferred that. Okay. Because sometimes, like, I feel like after you lose a child, it's so weird anyway. Like, Right. You're, it's a different It's different. Experience. Like, even yeah. your socializing, like, experiences are so weird. Mm -hmm. So, no, I would definitely prefer the awkward quiet versus, yeah. like, let's say something weird and out of yeah. <laughs> left field. <laughs> yeah. Because I can't. Unless it's yeah. funny. I mean, yeah. you can be funny all day long, and <laughs> yeah. that's great. Let's yeah. make, make the grieving laugh. Right. That's a good right. medicine yeah. to have. But, um, yeah, if you're going to be trying to talk about, like, grief and yeah. anything else like just yeah. and it's going to be awkward I, i'd rather just, just don't not. do it yeah i would rather not yeah. Yeah. i think for i think and i think that's where it, it happens for a lot of like men um you know we we personally you know if you're trying to comfort uh you know one of your one of your male friends like um a lot of times i don't know i can't speak for every guy but a lot of guys are like look i don't want to talk about it 
And I'd rather that you just, we just not talk about anything. Yeah. And I think that is so true. You know, Philip, you nailed that one on the head. Yeah. So I think that for, for, for men, when they don't say anything or they don't come engaged, that does not mean that they don't want to or that they're callous. It means that they're probably thinking that you're processing the way a man would process the grief. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, I remember my husband just had a lot of friends and family obviously just show up and they hung out at our house for, you know, months. And I think them just being there was comforting to him. Like, right. They didn't, he didn't want them to like go into the whole thing and talk about it all the time. He just was like, Hey, let's just just hang out. I know. I know. And it's, it's powerful because you don't have to say anything. You can literally just be there. Yeah. And that's supporting. As, as much as you don't have to say a word. Right. You just exactly. show up. Uh, focusing back up on uh, folks who have lost a child, um, talk to them a bit about uh, what message would you give someone who's having a hard time saying no to people, feeling that energy drain because they're starting to make too many commitments and they're not done yet, you know, processing the really, really hard stuff. Right. Good question, Philip. Um, well, I'd like to say, first of all, like, prioritize and what's the most important thing that you have in your life and what's going on. You're already grieving. So that takes so much of your own energy, um, physically and mentally. So what's the biggest priority in your life? It's going to be, it should be your own mental health. Um, Because I know no matter how well or poor you're doing throughout your grief, grief and what Um, phase you're in, you're still going to be like mentally drained and exhausted from just the grief process. So put yourself, put your kids, put your family, um, prioritize that. And, and it's okay to say no. And the people that, you know, aren't going to accept it, you know, nix those people out of your life. Like there's only so many people you can please. And at the end of the day, you're not going to be good at pleasing other people if you're not mentally and physically like in a decent spot. I'm not going to say good because I know that there's been, it's been a lot of years before I could finally get to a place where I say, oh, I'm doing good. Um, but I I do know that if you don't prior to, prioritize that time to work on yourself and your family, all you're going to do is put, you know, more anxiety and stress on your plate, um, you know, and that could trigger into some depression. Right. And, um like what I would do is I would go, 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 overbook myself and then recluse for weeks and oh, then yeah. shut huh. the phone off, be not productive at work right. or not, you know, as efficient with my my other job that yeah. I do. And I think that you wear yourself out. So just make yourself a priority. And um, if people don't understand, you really don't owe them an explanation. All you can say is, you know, look, I really just can't handle any more on my plate. And um that's all they need to know. Yeah. Your plate's full. Yeah. And it's with just taking care of the things you can take care of. And the hard, the hard truth is, is I lost a few friends along the way mm. um, that I felt like didn't understand. And I don't have hard feelings, you know, for those people. I think it's just truly that there's no way they can understand what it really means. Like you really just have to focus on getting through a day and being productive and being a good mom and a good wife. And going to job to your job. So that's all I can say is um, you can only control yourself. And if you put too much on your plate, that's only your own fault. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just say yeah. no. Yeah. Just say no. And make time for yourself. Yeah. 
That's great advice. Good advice. And don't be don't be scared of it, but recognize it's going to take you a little while to even be able to say no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, you're going to feel bad hard. about it. You're mm-hmm. going to feel bad about it at the beginning. But, um, you know, try not to is basically the best way to put yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I can just say that more people understand than they don't understand. Yeah. That's one thing I will say in the short time that I have been uh, involved is that I think that I think family and friends really do understand. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, they 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 don't understand what you're going through, but they understand that you that you need what you need. Like whether it's space, whether it's somebody there, food, whatever. I mean, it seems like the folks that are around you a lot understand that very much. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I feel really lucky that they do. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, so that was uh, this week's episode. It's okay to say no. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Going to give you uh, a sense of some of the upcoming events. We got the big one, April 25th. The website is live. The dinner and auction. Come support Raise for Rowan so we can continue to do podcasts like this and help pay for funeral costs and and reveal some of the really neat things we're going to do over the next year and, and couple of years. So please make sure to come out April 25th at this Skookum Creek Event Center at Little Creek Casino. It is a uh, country western theme, so that ought to be interesting. Nashville Nights at the Grand Old Opry. It's going to be one of my favorites. Yes, it will be one of your favorites. Um, It'll be one of the most interesting outfits I've ever worn, so we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So try and come out for that. And um, we're really excited to keep rolling out these podcasts. And if you have a chance, make sure to go to the podcast page. If you've subscribed, thank you. If you haven't, just go ahead and click that little button at the top. But then also rate us. And if you have a moment, review us. Because the more you do that, the more opportunity we have for other folks to see this in their feeds and and actually be able to engage and get something out of this as well. So I want to thank you very much for listening. And we will be back next week. 